stocks, bonds, ETFs, straight out of downtown Chicago. This is Zach's Market Edge. Welcome to Zach's Market Edge, the podcast about investing in your life. I'm your host, Tracy Reinick, and this week I'm going solo for our end of the year podcast that we do basically every year, which is on what uh, is the game plan for 2024? What should you be investing in next year? These are the topics that all of us are thinking about now as the 2023 calendar winds down. And so I'm going to tackle it on this week's episode. Um, as you know, we do do a video portion of this podcast now, and you can find that on our YouTube channel. So I'm going to be sharing some charts as this podcast goes along, which I will be describing for those of you who are listening, of course. But I do encourage people to check out the video uh, portion of it because it's just easier to look at the charts than it is to listen to them. So check it out on Zach's.com slash YouTube. That's on our Zach's Investment Research page, our main video page, where we also have, have the top stock picks of the week videos that I'll give a plug for right now too. If you're looking for some Zach's number one ranked stocks for free every week, just go watch that video. We do two of them on there. It's usually two of us, two of the strategists that are giving what we think are some interesting number one strong buy stocks for that week. So uh, tune in and see what what are they, what what's happening out there in the world of the Zach's rank, because those are kind of key too as we head into 2024 and the next earning season, which is just a couple of weeks away again um, in January. So again, be sure to get that at Zach's.com slash YouTube. But I wanted to talk about what are these strategies that we should be looking at to deploy for next year? What is our game plan? Because as we all know, 2023 was a crazy year on the stock market, lots of ups and downs. But if you had made a big bet on the growth stocks and especially the Magnificent Seven at the beginning of the year when they were looking still rather beaten down from last year's sell-off, then you're doing quite well. So the triple Qs were one of the big winners this year. The ETF, all you had to do was own it because it's up. I wrote it down because I couldn't believe it. 49.1% as of December 12th when I'm recording this. And year to date, oh, that's year to date, one year. So this is going back to mid-December of prior year, 2022, it's up about 41%. It's really over the two-year stack that you can see the big sell-off in 2022 in the growth stocks because it's down slightly in the two-year stack, so down just 0.2% or almost flat. Let's just call it almost flat. Um, so if you just own the triple Qs, you were not dollar cost averaging to it. Say you own it in your IRA or a 401k kind of situation, then you were really feeling that sell-off in 2022. And even when you look at it right now, you're, you may be like, meh, you know, it's come back, but it's not that great. But if you had timed it a little bit better, even though I'm not a big believer in the market timing myself, but if you had dollar cost average, say, 
over those two years, or even in the last year, you would have maybe gotten a bigger chunk of that 49% gain. But where do we go from here now that the QQQs are up 49% this year. Does that kind of return just keep going? A lot of people talking about the valuations, not just in the triple Qs, but also in the S&P 500. Can that index keep rallying? Um, we know that a big portion of it, if you own something like the VOO, which is the Vanguard S&P 500 index, V as in Victor, OO, I own it in my own personal portfolio. I know many of you do because that's the easy and cheap way to own the S&P 500. But surprisingly, or maybe not surprisingly, after this year's big rally and the Magnificent Seven now being such a large percentage of the VOO because it's not equally weighted, it uh, that means the V or uh, the Magnificent Seven in the VOO is now almost thirty percent of that index. I think it's about twenty seven percent, and uh, many people probably aren't aware who own the VOO that it's such a huge percentage now. So what what do we expect, or what are we thinking about may happen for next year with the S and P five hundred, the Mag Seven? and uh, the big caps in particular. So I wanted to take a look at one of the big caps that did have a big year on the MAG-7, and it's not necessarily the one that you think. So I am going to show my screen now, and this is showing Microsoft, ticker MSFT. I've owned Microsoft in my own personal portfolio. I've talked about it on many podcasts about how I owned it, after the dot-com bust, but then I sold it because it went nowhere, but I bought back into it in the last decade before the pandemic. And now here we are with it back in the spotlight because of its AI investments. So I chose Microsoft to kind of feature about a game plan for next year because Microsoft is one of the stocks that um, is big into this new area. Well, it's not really new, but it's new for investors, which is artificial intelligence AI. So you can see I've just brought up Microsoft's uh, earnings surprise track record chart here. I show this on my earnings all-stars videos all the time. It's got a great earnings surprise track record, just that one miss in 2022. And you can see these shares are now busted out to new all-time highs here in 2023. Year-to-date, now up 55% over the last year, up 51.5%. But what I want to show on uh, Zach's chart capabilities over in the charts area on the left-hand side, um, we have quite a few you can choose from here if you just want to look. This is the price and consensus one, as I mentioned. But um, the interactive charts are also interesting. Um, you get, of course, the more technical looking chart, but I'm going to put the line kind of chart in. And I really wanted to show like what happens in a five year with Microsoft. Obviously, I just said it was in the all time highs and it is. And I want to compare it. Um, you can compare it on that little plus there with let's compare it to the VO. Why not? Because I was just talking about it. And um, 
here's the comparison. So Microsoft, five years up 270%, the VOO up 86.7%. So well outperforming it. If you own this as I do, what should your game plan be for 2024? The stock has gotten much more expensive now than what this chart depicts. Um, you can find all the fundamental information on Zax.com if you look at the financial tab on the left-hand side. And now we're going to look at the financial overview. And nobody's claiming the stock is cheap. Here's some of the key ratios. We have a PE over here of 33. The PEG isn't too bad at 2.5 and uh, price to book 12.5. We knew that would be high, but price to sales is kind of key for a lot of tech companies. You can see this one is at 12.6. That's right around where it was in the dot-com highs, like say 2000. It traded with price to sales this high. And I know a lot of people are like, oh, Things are different now. This isn't the dot-com era and it can be a little more expensive and still be fine, but there's no denying that this is more expensive here. So I'm not selling any of my Microsoft into 2024. I last did add to my position earlier in this year, in the spring, when the AI and the chat GPT and all of that and Bing and all of this stuff was rolling out. I thought, you know, I don't own that much shares. I have some cash. I do like what they're doing and uh, the leadership position that they seem to be in right here. So I do like the AI investment area and why not roll the dice a little bit on it. So I did add to my position in Microsoft in the springtime, but I haven't added since then. And uh, for 2024 game plan, this is now a little pricey for me here. So I'm just going to hold with what I have. Now, what should I be doing about some of the other MAG7s? None of these are cheap at all. So if we go back to the interactive chart um, and even just looking at a chart basis and like, let's just say we're going to compare it to Meta, um, you'll see, you know, mostly these are moving in like the similar direction, but you can see year to date, Meta's even much more bullish than what Microsoft is here. And, um, you know, so again, valuations to me are a factor. Meta's not super expensive, even with this rally. It's not trading at NVIDIA like levels. But at some point, valuation is going to become a factor. I used to own Meta in uh, 2023. I did sell it to redeploy money elsewhere because I did not want to be in the metaverse. <laughs> and that was their key area. Apparently, they've gotten away from the metaverse now. Um, but any of these stocks, you always have to know and go uh, make sure you are in the business you want to be in with that company. If you don't want to be in AI, then maybe Microsoft isn't for you. Um, I did not want to be in the metaverse, so meta was not for me. But I have no regrets. I never do when I sell a stock. I always rotate money into something new, and I'm quite pleased with what I've been doing with my portfolio. But for the game plan for 2024, I just feel like a lot of these stocks have already seen the run-up and likely aren't going to really have the same kind of similar years next year. 
because of valuation uh, issues. But um, that doesn't mean, again, that I'm getting out of them. So that's Microsoft, MSFT, and Meta, M-E-T-A. So what about other growth stocks? Um, one of my favorites that I've been looking at a lot is called Decker's Outdoors. And this, I always think whenever I see Decker's Outdoor, like, oh, is this, you know, like camping equipment or something? Um, for the longest time, I'm sorry, Decker's, I did think that. But Decker's is shoe companies and it's UGG. It was always UGGs for years and years. And now it is also Hoka. So it is one of the few companies, the rare ones that has had a, um, you know, key brand breakthrough. It had the original UGG brand, which was super popular. And then it got Hoka and it's been growing that at a super quick rate now. So it now has two mega brands under its umbrella. I like just the one brand I liked, which is UGG, but you gotta love having two brands like that. So Decker's, it's now surging this year, year to date up 74, as you can see on the chart I pulled up, and one year up 86. It is at new all-time highs. Um, but this stock too used to be relatively cheap for a growth type of company. And by that, I mean trading at like 21, 22, 23 times forward. And now it's trading almost at 30, 30 times forward, even though it just had an outstanding quarter and it's expected a really good holiday season. But again, valuations are just going to be a little bit in play for a stock like Decker's here. And um, yeah, I'm the value investor uh, strategist and the value strategist here at Zacks. So growth are not my favorite, but I love getting a growth stock that's going to be on a multi-year growth uh, you know, plan and strategy. And uh, even if it's not dirt cheap, if I can just get it at something kind of affordable, I will get in it. Deckers, I've been waiting for several years to buy it. I really did miss my opportunity last year in 2022. I did get greedy. I thought it would go lower than what it did, but it did not and has not and now has taken off. So I've put up the five-year chart here and you can see it's up 470% in that time period versus 77% for the VOO, which is the S&P 500 Vanguard ETF. Um, so nobody can say anything about the, the great run in this stock. But again, this is looking at our game plan for 2024. I would not be a seller on Deckers here. Um, I think they're going to have an outstanding holiday. They do have these popular brands. And even if there's a slowdown, shoes usually do pretty well in uh, recessions or economic slowdowns. So I still like Decker's, but um, I'm not running into it as a value investor here. So what do we do um, with these growth stocks? Is there any way uh, to get into any of them here or does it have to be, um, you know, that we're only going in like the cheapest ones, the most problematic ones that maybe aren't even growth stocks anymore. Maybe they're just uh, really value at this point. 
But I wanted to bring up Booking Holdings, ticker ticker BKNG. I don't think I've talked about it all that much on the podcast over the years. And I've been doing these podcasts for, you know, what, over seven or almost going on eight years now, I guess. Um, And that's a long time to not really mention a company like Booking Holdings, formerly known as Priceline. This was a big dot-com era, big winner then. And uh, it got crushed down in the dot-com bust. Then it did have a bigger recovery as the business recovered. Remember all those people saying, uh, poor William Shatner, who was the spokesman for Priceline during the dot-com boom. And then he uh, quit or I don't know, they let him go. I don't know what happened. And But he was no longer their spokesperson on the ads And he apparently got rid of all of the stock options and stock that he got as the spokesperson. And so people over the years are like, oh, if only he had held on. But for the prior decade, Booking Holdings hadn't really done that much as a stock. This is a surprise, right? Because you you kind of think of it as like, oh, Booking, you know, it's had this big run. And right now um, I'm putting it up on the chart. You can see it's trading at $3,378. And I know a lot of people have it in the back of their mind, oh, didn't this used to trade for like 70 cents in the dot-com bust? So look at this huge run it's had and in its expensive stock over $3,000. So it must be doing well. But I have owned booking holdings in my own personal portfolio for many years. I want to say since at least 2016, I'd have to go back and like really look to see when it is I bought it. It was a long time ago. And these shares didn't really go anywhere for many years. So I'm going to click on the five-year chart here again for bookings, and I'm going to compare it to the S&P 500 because that's the key index most of us use as our comparison, right? Like we could just buy the S&P 500 or we can buy some individual stocks and try to beat it. So this is the five-year chart on booking here. And you can see that um, it's barely beating it on the five-year chart now. Booking up 86% or basically 87% in that time period. S&P 500 up 77.7. But this is a recent beat. It's just going above the S&P 500 only recently. And then looking back during the pandemic, obviously it's in travel. So it got crushed down in the pandemic. It has rallied, but it's taken all this time to even get, um, you know, further out to be beating it. And if you go even further out, I just clicked on the all link on the chart. You can see it going back to the dot-com, but the S&P, the VOO only goes back to uh, 2010. So even just looking at it there, yes, it is now beating the VOO since 2010. And it was for a considerable part of that time period, I guess, on this chart, Um, but not overly so until just this year when it has really pushed higher and is now um, well above. So booking at 579% since 2010, well, that's all time, Um, but the VOO since 2010 is up 307%. So 
you really have to uh, consider for 2024 some of these stocks like booking that had decent years before COVID, but not really like it was only okay, but weren't really surging. So why should I care about that? Because valuations on some of these growth names are actually looking a lot better than on the more popular ones, including the Mag 7 or uh, just the popular ones like Shopify and Twilio from the last couple of years. Booking was a growth stock that was kind of ignored for the last decade, got crushed down in the pandemic because of travel, now is being bought again but now has some kind of interesting valuations, as I mentioned. So I'm going to look at the detailed earnings estimates on booking um, because I have considered selling it, to be honest, over many of the years I've owned it, even though it had a good growth profile. So that's kind of the definition of value is when it is actually growing even double digits, but nobody cares. So sales for this year expected to be up 24% and another 11% for next year, even though revenge travel is mostly over. 2023 earnings up 49%, 2024 up 18%. So that's looking really good. Um, big double digits, even though it is pretty much a Goliath in the uh, travel industry and always has been. Um, looking at the financials, looking at that financial overview like we did with Microsoft, it's trading with a PE of just 22 times. So while that's not like 15 times that a value investor looks for, it's still much cheaper than some of these other growth names are. And it's got the growth. So some stocks like a booking that has been kind of ignored and is not really been in one of the huge rallies like an NVIDIA has been in the last decade. These are the ones that I think for 2024, you're going to be able to look at and maybe find some opportunities. Also on the price ratios here, the price to sales ratio is at 5.6. That's much lower than what we were just discussing with Microsoft, which is at 12 times. So I'm liking some of these more hidden uh, growthy names like booking and um, another one, which I do own in my own portfolio. That's how I know that it was underperforming all these years with both of these is Starbucks. It too hasn't been um, doing as great as what people may say or think, you know, you look at maybe what it's done in the last year and it is off of the lows of last year for sure. But if you're a long-term shareholder like I am on this one, um, it's not looking as, uh, you know, it just hasn't really been there like some of the other growth stocks have been. Although I don't consider Starbucks to be as cheap right now as like a booking is. Um, for what it is you're getting, I think the PE is fairly stretched even at these levels. So I put up the five-year chart for Starbucks to give you an idea. And you can see that uh, this is only the Starbucks chart, but even just by looking at this on its own, does this look all that great on the five-year? No, we're not near those 2021 highs really. So I could actually see this falling again to get a bit cheaper on the valuation side before then maybe we have another run. 
But I consider a stock like this to still be one of the premier restaurant stocks. And it's just been crushing it in the U.S. with its same store comparables. It does have some pricing power. It's been able to raise prices to counter all of the inflationary pressures. And it's not really losing many customers while doing so. So um, the brand is still strong. I still like Starbucks as the brand here. I just wish it would get to a valuation. Um, and maybe it did here back in 2020 when it hit those uh, five-year lows there. It got to the valuation that it was uh, just way too cheap. But um, you know, maybe it's got to get back there a bit before we see another rally in these shares that might be a buying opportunity. So something like Starbucks, maybe something to keep an eye on for your 2024 game plan. Um, a couple more that uh, could be interesting right now are what do you do if you were in, say, the infrastructure type stocks? They have actually had a very good 2023. And I'm thinking of stocks like United Rentals, ticker URI. And I bring that up. It's trading at um, new highs here because we passed the big infrastructure bill. There's a lot of infrastructure going on. And this is just uh, the place to be. I put up the five-year. It's a pretty big, massive rally off those COVID lows. But a trillion-dollar infrastructure plan is putting a floor under this, even if we go into recession. United Rentals has said they don't see any slowdown in their business, even in a slowdown in the economy in 2024. How could that be? United Rentals has always moved in conjunction with the economy, but there's just so much federal money uh, flowing in now, flowing in for things that are going towards like new EV plants, um, new data center facilities are being built. The broadband rollout is happening. Railroad infrastructure, airports, um, all these things are not really contingent on whether or not the economy is good because the money is already there being spent on these huge projects. And uh, when the economy does start to go the other way and heat up again, United Rentals will be even better position because then we're going to see construction on uh, things like apartment buildings again, even though still kind of going on, but we're going to see a surge in that building again, more hotels, uh, more casinos, uh, more of these like uh, big uh, commercial type of projects, um, especially if the Fed starts to cut rates as well, making a little bit cheaper to borrow, then we're going to see a lot on the infrastructure side. Again, that's not being supported by the feds. So uh, what do you do with United Rentals? It's not a uh, extremely expensive stock here, even with this huge rally. And it has been quite a rally uh, up 43% year to date. So that is, you know, ranking up there with some of these big, these big type of techie stocks, uh, who would ever thought that? But looking um, just on the regular page here, PE of 12, so that's cheap. We got a peg of 0.82 because, as I said, the earnings outlook is looking real good for them here. Let's scroll down and see. So earnings growth of 26% this year, only five next year, and that is going to reflect now some of these big infrastructure Buildouts now being priced in for this year, a little less 
is going to be happening for next year, but still on the positive side. And we'll see what happens as the economy, uh, you know, starts to rebound really from the Fed induced slowdown. So I still like United Rentals here. I know it's very hard to buy on on highs like this and after a big run like this, but the shares are not altogether that expensive. So if you're still planning on infrastructure as I am for 2024, then United Rentals is the type of stock still to be in for next year. Now, what to do with the problematic areas? We all uh, know what they are, so let's just talk about it. Um, Energy was a bad year. It was the best performing sector for both 2021, 2022, and now it's among the worst in 2023. But uh, sell-offs like this become buying opportunities. So I brought up ExxonMobil here. It's a three, which is a hold, but you can see it's got a B for value, actually a B for growth because earnings expected to be up for next year. Um, The F for momentum, because it's hitting new 52-week lows, even as I'm recording this in mid-December. So uh, crude back under $70 again, and that means these crude stocks are cheaper. Um, You can see the big reduction in earnings for this year for Exxon, down 34%, but rebounding 8% for next year. Estimates all over the place, but that's okay. That's what I kind of expect. So let's look at that chart. It uh, has been kind of a wild ride. Uh, We need to go out for the five-year really because they were in a bear market and into even into the recession or the, uh, the pandemic. And then it hit the lows or it seemingly was the lows and it's come out of it a bit. And you can see Exxon has had a nice rally off of all of the 2020 lows there. Um, the second one was right before the vaccine was announced here. Um, right at the beginning of November was the Pfizer vaccine. We had those uh, second types of lows. It retested it. And now the shares have been higher ever since. But uh, looks to be kind of trading at kind of a key level here. And As I mentioned, this is a cheap stock on even a PE basis, and it, um, you know, is trading with a single digit PE now or close to it, maybe 10 times. Let's see. Uh, Let's look at the detailed estimates here to get a better idea. Um, Yes, 10.8. So that's pretty cheap, but you will get these energy stocks at the lower PEs when things aren't going quite as well. but What's what's really going poorly for them right here, other than the price of crude being back under 70, which isn't terrible for them. There isn't that much that's going badly for a company like ExxonMobil right now. So I do like energy. I'm sure on this episode a year ago, I said, oh, energy is coming off of its second great year. It's still cheap. I still like it. And I have liked it all year, but We haven't been rewarded by the street. We are getting it on sale now. So I do recommend uh, any of these energies or the big energy ETF, um, even which the XLE where you get everything. There's several ways you can get energy without buying the individual holdings. So um, I, again, still like it here. 
in it should be part of your game plan in 2024. That's Exxon, X-O-M is the ticker. I actually don't own Exxon in my own personal portfolio, but they are buying Pioneer Natural Resources, ticker PXD, and I own that one. So I may become an Exxon shareholder next year. We will see. Okay. The other problem area, the banks, of course. Um, what can we say? They did have the the emergency, uh, the crisis earlier this year. They seem to be out of it. One of the basic ones I have been looking at is PNC Financial, ticker PNC. Tick, uh, PE, again, is 10.1 here. Um, what is the earnings looking like for next year, though? You can see still looking like it may see a decline. That's my only issue with some of the banks for next year is that if the Fed starts cutting, that actually goes into their net interest margins. So they may actually see falling earnings next year, even though they're still cheap right now. And even though they have had some rebound here. So even PNC over the last month is up 17.5%, but year to date is still down 10.4. And over the five-year track, well, let's look. It, it hasn't been pretty over the five-year track. Any of us who've owned any of the banks over that time period, we all know the pain we've been under. Has it been worse than energy? I can't believe I'm saying this, but it, it may be now because energy seemingly has been through the worst and has come out of it a bit. But um, some of these, like, uh, you know, PNC, here's the PNC chart over the five years. That's that's not looking all that great. Um, let's see what the all looks like. Okay. Um, this is the key period, obviously, 2009 to, to the present. But uh, let's compare it. This would be a good comparison just to kind of see. Let's just say, you know, we had owned the uh, just the S&P 500 during that time period. I'm putting in the VOO again. And um, you can see over it's, oh no, the VOO is only going to do the 10 year. Let's do the five. Um, okay. So the five, the five year, the VOO easily beating it 77.8 versus 18.8. But I've always said nothing stays underperforming for forever. It can feel like forever. And for bank investors, this has been feeling like forever. Now, remember a lot of these pay dividends and some of them are quite juicy now. Um, that's like how, how I like to describe it. If, if I'm able to get three or 4% a year, it doesn't take me that much to get to a total return of eight to 10%, or at least we hope it doesn't. But again, this year, um, oh, well, let's just say over the last one year, PNC is still down 10%. So even though I'm getting that dividend yield in there, uh, my return is still well underperforming, even like that, you know, 10% kind of benchmark figure that a lot of us want to get to. We would love to get 10% on average a year, right? From our portfolio, we're doing pretty good if we get that. Um, and then it's, uh, you know, under what the S&P has done at 16%, well under. But again, for those of you who are planning a game plan where you're not just jumping into the big winners of last year, which were the MAG7 and some of these growth stocks, 
and you're looking for those underperformers, a company like a PNC or um, a KeyCore, let's see what that one looks like. Um, KEY is that ticker, KeyCore, you know, similar. Um, This is the one year here. Let's look at the five year, but similar, but maybe even struggling more than PNC here uh, over the five year because it's tried to retrace back to 2020 and some of these other ones, you know, um, PNC had not traced all the way back. Um, so it is difficult in the banks. I'm not going to kid you. I've, you know, it's been like that all year. It's been like that for several years as the value investor strategist, the value side of things. I still do like some of the banks. It depends on which bank. And you can see, I put up the five-year key core with VOO and key is down 14% 14% in that time period versus 77% gain for VOO. So um, is it risky here to buy into the banks for 2024? Well, they're already low. <laughs> so some of them are you know, down for this year. They're cheap. Uh, this is the time when maybe they're less risky than they would have been up in 2022 here with KeyCore when it was hitting these new highs. It's given all that back. So now is the time when maybe there's little less risk to those of us looking around for deals than when they're at the highs. So that's the banking side. There's a lot of ways you could play it. You can buy the bank ETFs as well. Even the regional banks, there's a community bank one. Um, and the individual holdings. So this is an area that, (coughs) sorry, my voice is starting to, my voice is fading. Um, This is an area that you can be in for 2024, but you're going to have to have a strong stomach once again for this, uh, you know, to be in these stocks. And um, some of you have it, some of you don't. But it is a possibility for those of you looking for the value. So where does this lead us in our game plan? Uh, There's also small caps. We haven't talked about them. Small caps are easier to play if you just buy one of the indexes. Those have underperformed for years. Just the Russell 2000, uh, you know, that has been struggling because it's heavily weighted in a lot of the banks as well. But if you believe that the banks will finally see a turnaround, then those stocks can be values here too. You can also find value um, and even just opportunities for 2024 in some of the mid caps. I like to buy those using the ETFs as well. But um, individual companies uh, are also a good way to find you know, some hidden gems out there. But how do you find those? I do recommend using the Zacks rank. Check and see what are the number one ranked stocks right now um, and find out why are those earnings estimates rising into 2024? What do those look like? Um, you, can, you can see immediately on uh, something like a price and consensus chart what makes, uh, you know, what is a good outlook for a company and what isn't. So I put up the key core price and consensus chart right now. 
and you can see the uh, lines for 2023, 2024, and now even 2025 that are on this chart are going in the wrong direction. They're going down. <laughs> They're not, you know, down and to the right, but not not up. If they were going down and then started to to head higher again, then I would say maybe the worst is in and on the earnings side. And this is looking like, you know, maybe we're seeing a turnaround, but that's not at least on this particular bank, what is happening now, compare it with one of the uh, soaring growth stocks that I just talked about Decker's, which is a much more expensive stock hitting new highs. But look at this price and consensus chart. For those of you just listening to audio, it's, uh, all the lines are flat, going up year over year, reflecting the double-digit earnings growth that is expected all the way through 2025. And even on 2025 here, it's starting to like head um, up and to the right, it's starting to increase as those analysts getting a little more bullish here on the future of Decker's. This is a beautiful chart and what you want to own you want to own a company that's, uh, you know, building its earnings year over year over year like this. This is not easy. And remember, some of these years were during the pandemic, 2021, 2022, things going on with the supply chain. And yet they're still able to grow those earnings very consistently year over year. A lot of that is because of Hoka. They didn't eat a Hoka, just a tiny little thing back here in 2021 and now expected to be a big part of the business, a big driver of those earnings by 2025. So look at uh, look at the earnings. This is what you owe own. And this is what you will need to uh, see some gains in for 2024 as part of your game plan. Own companies that are doing something right that you like, that you you know think, hey, that company's really crushing it in whatever area it is that they're in. A company like United Rentals, the biggest rental equipment company in North America, I think it might be the world now because they have expanded outside of North America, um, but we'll just keep it to North America for now, but a company dominating its industry like United Rentals. What does United Rentals look like? I'm going to show it real quick before I wrap up here as my voice is starting to go, but United Rentals, okay, this is interesting too. It is up and to the right, but its growth is much smaller here expected for 2024, as we already saw, it's only expected to be 5% earnings growth for next year after 23% for this year. And then 2024 is looking, or 2025, looking like some earnings growth, but very muted for right now as well. So um, United Rentals, it, it's cheaper stock, only 12 times earnings. So you're not paying as much for this type of earnings growth. That's fine as far as I'm concerned. Um, that's why it's cheaper. If I was going to pay 20 times for this earnings growth, I may have questions, but I'm only paying 12 times. I with Deckers, I'm paying 30 times, but it's got that tremendous double-digit earnings growth still expected there. Um, so I'm willing to pay more for that type of growth. So again, use the Zach's website to plan out your game plan for next year. Watch those Zach's rank, uh, you know, 
top stock picks of the week to figure out some number ones. You can also get the number ones if you already aren't a premium member on Zach's website. Just go to the bull of the day every day. We do one five times a week and you can get some ideas there about where the estimates are rising uh, because that's what we want to see for 2024. And yes, they're rising in the mag seven, but how much are you willing to pay for those uh, great companies, but uh, very ex- little more expensive stocks here as we go into the new year. But a lot going on. Be sure to tune in to all the podcasts when we start them again in the beginning of 2024. I'll be back that first week. I love that first week of the new year. I'll be here with some more picks on what to look for in 2024. And I'm going to have Kevin Cook a Zach's senior stock strategist on to talk about what's happening in the world of stocks in 2024. He always has some real good insights on what to do and how to buy and sell stocks and how, what, you know, what's going on with some of these. And he'll bring us all of his good advice and expertise in the new year. So be sure to get us You can get us on Apple Podcasts. You can get us on Spotify. You can get us on Amazon Music. We are also on SoundCloud and then the video podcast on zax.com slash YouTube. But be sure to get us somewhere and I'll see you again in the new year, 2024, with some more top stock picks. This material is being provided for informational purposes only, and nothing herein constitutes investment, legal, accounting, or tax advice, or a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold a security. Do not act or rely upon the information and advice given in this podcast without seeking the services of competent and professional legal, tax, or accounting counsel. Publication and distribution of this podcast is not intended to create, and the information contained herein does not constitute an attorney-client relationship. No recommendation or advice is being given as to whether any investment or strategy is suitable for a particular investor. It should not be assumed that any investments in securities, companies, sectors, or markets identified and described were or will be profitable. All information is current as of the date herein and is subject to change without notice. Any views or opinions expressed may not reflect those of Zach's investment research as a whole.